Al ken yomeru hamoshelim. So yesterday we explained the simple meaning of that pasuk, what it's actually talking about. But Hazal, they take this pasuk a little bit out of context. As you know, the Torah is learned on many levels. And it's for a simple reason why. That when people say, oh, there's so many ways and so, many, so much depth to the Torah. And it's obvious why. The one who wrote the Torah is eternal. When you have someone eternal, everything he says is eternal. Which means there's endless meanings to each word that he says. You might say, oh, I got it. That's what he meant. Okay, it's true, you meant that. But that doesn't mean you got everything. It would be somewhat arrogant, or a lot arrogant, to actually believe that we would understand exactly what the Hashem said in its full entirety. So therefore you have to believe that the eternal, the words of an eternal is also eternal. And that's why there's so many aspects to the same words. Even sometimes, sometimes even smart humans could do it. Sometimes smart humans can say something, but they mean something deeper. And people who are not so deep will only understand it on a simple level. But there's really more. You know, sometimes you walk out of a drashan and everybody heard it on their own level differently. Someone who was by the drashan, who understood the subject well, understood a lot more depth to what was being said than another person who doesn't really know much. I'm going to give you an example. When we learn halakha, so if you learn halakha from Shulchan Aruf and you open up the Mishnah Berurah, the Mishnah Berurah is the Havetz Haim who wrote basically an explanation of Shulchan Aruf. If a person would open up Shulchan Aruf and learn Mishnah Berurah, they would enjoy it very much because he would take the words of Shulchan Aruf and basically explain them, expound on them. And a person would walk away from what he learned and say, wow, I got it. I understand what I just read. I understand the halakha. I understand the explanation. He would feel satisfied. But if a person would have learned the subject before, learned the Gemara, learned all the Rishonim, learned all the different commentaries, before they got to Shulchan Aruf, they learned the subject really in depth and really well. They knew all the questions that were asked. They knew all the issues that were being discussed. If you learned the sugya really well, and then you got to Shulchan Aruf, and then you saw the Mishnah Berurah, what he says, it's a whole different Mishnah Berurah. You didn't realize that when the Mishnah Berurah said that word, it was answering three questions. He said those words specifically so he could explain why this is different than that. If you don't know the subject, if you don't know the subject, so you understand it, you don't walk away saying, I don't understand it. I understand it. But you understand it on a very basic level. But you have more chokhmah, you realize 
that what the Hafez Chaim was saying was much more than what you originally understood. And then if you learn better, you'll understand even more. That's the way learning of Torah is. You'll see it. Whatever you learn, the more you know, the more you realize, oh, that's what Rashi meant. When you first read Rashi, you thought he was coming to explain the words. And then you realize that Rashi was coming to answer all kinds of questions that he had. But you're not going to get that unless you think in depth. Now imagine, that's by humans. Even Rashi, the holy Rashi, with all his Kiddushah, he's not, the, he's not Hashem. So even great people, even if they're humans, when they, wise people, when they speak, there's so much more to what they say than what is written. So imagine when Hashem speaks. Imagine when Hashem says something. So you could read it once, and oh, I got it. But then you get a little smarter, or you think a little more, and you're like, oh, there's more. He didn't just mean this, he meant that though. And there's just there's no end to the levels that a person is able to uncover when you're talking about Hashem's words. That's why it's important to understand when we say, okay, this is the simple explanation, meaning this is the way everybody would understand it. But this is either a drasha, or it's a remez, or maybe it's a deeper understanding, or it's a Torah went out of its way to come to explain something else along the way. You know, wise people, whenever they have an opportunity to explain something else along the way, they'll do it. Wise people, and one should use this, whenever they have a chance to throw in something in a good opportunity, they'll do it. Even if it's not necessarily related to the subject they're discussing, once they have your ear and you're discussing something, they'll throw it in. For example, for example, the first Mishnah and Shas is a proof to that. The first Mishnah and Shas talks about the earliest time that one could say Kiryat Shema. As you know, we're commanded to say Shema in the morning. Actually, means when you lay down, means when you go to sleep. When you get up. So the Gemara is questioning exactly when is the time of Beshoch Becha. What is that? So the Gemara, the Mishnah says, you know what it is? What is the first time to read Shema at night? So the Mishnah says, from the time that the Kohanim who were Tameh and they're waiting for the night to come, then they will become fully pure. Certain types of Tum'ah you dip during the day. It's called the Tebul Yom. You dip in the daytime, but you're not fully pure until darkness. So says the Mishnah that you know when the earliest time to say Arbi, uh, to say Shema in Arbit, when the Kohanim are allowed to eat the Terumah. The Kohanim that were Tameh, that are waiting to eat the Terumah, they have to wait till nighttime. That's the earliest time also that you could say Shema. So the question is, right? Why, why do you have to bring the Kohanim now? What, what does the Kohanim have to do with this? Whatever time the Kohanim are allowed to eat the Ruma, just say, which is the time when the stars come out. So why are they answering the Shema question with Teruma, another halakha that has no relevance whatsoever to Arbit? Answer is, the Gemara says, that Agav Orhe, which means 
when the Tana is coming to teach you something, he found an opportunity to teach you something else along the way. And now that you read the Mishnah, you don't just learn about the time of Shema. Along the way, you also learn about the time of Terumah. So you end up learning two things instead of one. So wise people, when they teach something, whenever they have an opportunity to throw in something else along the way, it's precious. It's another, another piece of information that they could add along. Smart parents do that when they teach. They sometimes find an opportunity to throw in something else. Very often, to teach directly when the situation is happening is not as, as beneficial as when it's thrown in along the way in other conversations. So sometimes teaching things along the way, sometimes in certain situations could actually have even a greater effect. Because when you're dealing with a subject one-to-one, right? When you're on it, and you talk to the guy about it, it's sometimes hard to get through because there are emotions involved. There's, there's ego involved. But when you're teaching something else and then you throw something in, so then you're planting seeds that they're able to hear it a little easier. So anyway, wise people have a way of teaching subjects even when it's not being learned, they throw it in. The creator of the world obviously, will do it all the time. So when you're learning one thing, right, in the same words, he found a way, not in different words, we have to throw in different words, but Hashem in the same words, while he's teaching something about history, will will, will write it in a way that there's something else to learn from it too. And there's more than something else, and another something else. The way he writes it is the way you are able to get something else out of it. Follow? That's why I said yesterday I wanted you to become aware of how to learn the Torah. I said first let's learn what the Pasuk means when everybody reads it. And we learned that yesterday. The Moshelim simply is talking about the rulers over there talking about Sihon, the king of the Emori, who says, Bo Heshbon, come to the city of Heshbon. The city of Heshbon was captured from Moab. And he would say, come to Heshbon, we captured, it's ours now. That's the simple story, that's simple reading. But the way Hashem wrote it in the Torah, it could be learned on a whole different level. He could have written different words. He could have said, Al ken yomar si'on. He didn't say, Amoshalim. The rulers. He could have just said simple. Al ken yomar si'on. Si'on is the king of Emori. Ba'u, come to Moab. But he didn't say si'on, he didn't say Moab. He said, Al ken yomeru Amoshalim. Therefore, let the rulers say, Come to Heshbon, very specific place in Moab that they captured. Oh, Hazal say, there's something else Hashem wants to teach you in this Pasuk. Also about rulers, but not, oh, not Sihon, not that kind of ruler. And Heshbon is not referring to a city. It's referring to a different type of Heshbon. What is that? 
Oh, so Hazal say, who are the Moshelim? Elu Moshelim be'Yitzram. Moshelim are not rulers of others. They're not kings over their nation. Moshelim is teaching you about those who are rulers over themselves. They're Moshel over their anger. Most people are slaves to their anger. But then there are people who are Moshel. They are rulers. They're in control of their anger. They will never allow their anger to come out. Or even better yet, they won't even let themselves get angry. And sometimes when they need to show anger, they're in control of that anger. They're in control of showing that anger. It's not coming from inner anger. I once told you a story of a great rabbi who told a student after something that he did very, very inappropriately. And he knew that the kid needed he needed a, a little musar. He needed a little reprimand for what he did. The rabbi took his student to the side and says, he says, right now, I'm too angry to be angry with you. You hear that? He says, I'm too angry to be angry. What does that mean? It means that the only form of anger that actually works Sometimes there's anger, but it's an anger that came from your desire to teach someone how terrible of an act that was. So it's a facial anger. It's an expression of anger. But if it's real anger, it's counterproductive. Whatever you want to teach somebody, even if they need the lesson, but if it's coming from anger, that means it's personal hurt which means the person will tune off and therefore you will not have any benefit. So there is an, some sort of anger that helps, but it has to be anger that you're in control of. So he told him, I'm too angry to be angry. Because to show anger, sometimes there is a space for it, but not if it comes from the anger ruling over you. Moshel Beyitzro, somebody who's in control of their behavior. They're in control of what they say. Most people are not. Most people, they are slaves to their mouth. Whatever they get excited about and they want to share, they just talk. But there are some people who are in control. Before they say something, they think. There are people who are slaves to their desires, whether it's eating or drinking or more dangerous things or other types of desires. Desires aren't bad, but the entire, what, the entire battle of desires in this world is not, could you do away with your desires? Hashem gave us desires for a reason. There is a great benefit in the desires that Hashem gave us both for pleasure and for greater things. But the question is going to be is, are you going to be a slave to your desires? That's the kind of people that completely destroy their life. Some of them destroy it 
very quickly. Some it takes time. They only see the results in years ahead. If you're a slave to your desires, you're going to self-destruct. If you are a moshel, doesn't mean you don't have desires and doesn't mean you don't enjoy. But you are in charge. You tell your desires when it's time, when it's not the time, when it's enough, when it's too much. That's called a Moshel Be'yitzro. A Moshel Be'yitzro is somebody who is in charge of his laziness. We're all lazy by nature. Nobody's born without laziness. We're all lazy. Moshel Be'yitzro is somebody who has the ability to overpower his laziness and push themselves to do what they know needs to be done. And many more examples. So when the Pasuk says, when the Pasuk says, Hamoshelim, it's talking about those people who rule over their yetzer. They're in control of what they do, what they say, and even if they're great enough, they're in control of what they think. Alken Moshelim. What do the Moshelim say? They say, Bo'u, come. Bo'u, Hashbon. They have advice for you. They say, Bo'u, come. Come to Hashbon. What is it, Hashbon? Bo'u, Benachshob, Hashbono, Shel Olam. Come and let's think about the Hashbon, about the calculations of the world. I don't want to go into that right now. I'd rather not go into their advice right now. It's going to take us some time to understand their advice. Today we're not going to discuss what the Moshelim advise us. I think there's such a huge point just from the words Alken Yomeru Amoshelim. Stop. Therefore, those who rule their Yetzel, therefore they say. What's so deep about those words? It's not so deep. It's actually very simple. But I think if we plugged it into reality, we would see that it's hardly observed, even though it's very simple. What we learned from this Pasuk is the only people that are capable of advising you in life are those who are Moshelim. Alken Yomeru Amoshelim. When you get advice in life of what you need to do, how you need to live, you need to go get advice from a Moshel. You know, we're getting advice all the time. Don't think that advice is only when you call somebody and say, I need 10 minutes with you, which of course means 10 hours. You know those 10 minute conversations? Rabbi, you have 10 minutes? <laughs> 10 minutes is usually an hour. When they say two minutes, it usually means five hours. <laughs> that's the that's my uh, experience. Yes. 
You say 10, it's like, okay, that's open. You say 2, forget it. Close your schedule for that. But that's not the only time we get advice. We get advice all the time. We're always getting advice. Not necessarily from talking to people. We see, we observe people. We learn from them. We get advice from Hollywood. We get advice from Europe. We get advice from athletes. We get advice from wealthy people. We get advice from all types of people around us. We're getting advice all day long. Whether we think that they are actually advising us or not is irrelevant. The reality is, if we would look at our lives and our thought process, and we would look at many of our actions, we would ask ourselves, where did we get that thought process? Where did we get to value such a mindset or such an act? Where did that come from? Why do I do this? Why is this important to me? Why is this not important to me? There are so many little parts of us that live with us every second. We're behaving all day long. We like a lot of things. We don't necessarily like a lot of things. Where did all those things come from? Who built the human mind and my ratson that I have all day with me? Where did that come from? You better believe that it came from advisors. Since we were little, little, little children, we have been getting advice all day. Parents, grandparents, siblings, friends, teachers, the media, social media, and on and on and on. We are being advised all day long. Advertisers are really paid advisors. They're paid to advise people. And more than advice, to actually almost force their hand to be, to like a certain product. To look at something that it should look nicer than the other one. So these are all advisors. We're surrounded by advisors. Don't make a mistake to think that the way you are today and the way you think today came from you. Don't think that. Because so much of what we have came from advice, which is not a bad thing because we need advice in life. You know, one of the great, one of the great levels a person can reach in life, one of the great levels they can reach in life, it's really a very high level, when they realize that they don't know. It's a very high level. When you realize that you know something, I don't know the right way to live life. Every little child, not 30, 40 year old, every three year old in his mind is convinced that he knows how to live life to the utmost. 
convinced. He can't read, can't write, can't add, can't subtract. But in his mind, if we're talking about living right now, what I should be doing, in his mind, clear. He knows exactly how to take life and make the most of it. A three-year-old was clearly ignorant. Yet, in his mind, he's got it. And it continues. Teenagers, they got it clear. Go tell a teenager right now something that would be useful in their life. They will look at you like you came from outer space. Because in their mind, they know exactly what to do. What are you talking about? What are you saying? They look at you like you came from really, from an ancient world. You don't know anything. That's how teenagers look at you when you talk to them. Because they're so convinced that whatever is in their mind is the way to do it. We learned Shlomo Amelaf says, Kol derech ish yashar Any derech that a person is on in his eyes is the perfect road. No matter what the guy is doing in his eyes, perfect. So this is the reality of the world. That no matter what age you are, no matter what you're involved in, no matter how destructive your behavior is, and even if you're feeling the destruction, you know, there are people who are suffering in their marriage. Suffering. Suffering. Sometimes just a bit connection. But very often, it's not the connection that's bad. It's that you don't know anything about marriage. And you don't know anything about how to be married. You think after five years, ten years of suffering, you think one day... These guys would say, you know what? Maybe I have to study how to become a better husband. I, my, my, my bet is, there's always something to blame. It's not that you were off. It's not that you didn't know how to do it. You know how to do it. Of course you know how to do it. But the circumstance, either it's her or her mother or her father or... Anything else, but nothing to do with you. Of course, your knowledge of the situation is clear, barur. Nothing to talk about. So even when the person actually is suffering as the consequence of his lack of wisdom, even then, even then it won't catch up with him. So that one of the beautiful levels to reach in life it's really it's a high level and it's very uncommon very that a person says to themselves you know something i don't know i don't know how to be married happily i don't know how to raise children i don't know what i'm doing in this world i have no idea i don't know i don't know how to maximize my enjoyment in life i don't know i don't know anything and even what I do know, who says that that's actually correct? I have my mind set up. This is it. Who says this is it? Why are you so confident? Confidence in this area is detrimental. 
confidence in your ability to do something when Hashem gives it to you, that's a beautiful thing. But confidence in your opinions on any matter is destructive. Such a beautiful, beautiful level in life to reach where a person says, I don't know what's good for me. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I need, therefore, the next step would be, I need advice. I need to learn. So that's a, a level that I pray all of us are able to reach. Not to be so confident in our mindset, in our outlook, in the way we conduct ourselves in life. From the most religious situation to the most mundane. All of it. It's a very big gamut. You know how many opinions we have? You know how many issues there are we have opinions on? You know how many things we have a mindset on? We look at certain things that we already have an opinion about it. Yeah, that's great. Not so great. That's in every area of life. We have a way. We have a data. And we must question our data. Good. So let's say we got to that level. Because if you didn't get to that level, whatever I'm going to say now is a waste of time. But if you get to the level where you say, you know something? I need advice on everything. I got to learn it all again. Because whatever I know now, who knows where it came from? Who knows the source of it? Who knows if I learned it from the New York Times or from the Daily News or from the street or some, got up, some guy got up to speak and he says, who knows who I got up So I got to start again. Now I got to know the information of life, all of life, I want to learn it in an authentic manner. I want to get it from the source that is correct. So I need a good advisor. Says the Pasuk. You know who you have to go to? You have to go to those who are Moshelim Be'itzram. You have to go to people who are themselves in control of their Yetzirah. Let me give you an example of what type of person is capable of giving advice. And it's all kinds of advice. You know how many people go for Shalom Bayit advice to people who are not capable at all? I told you once, the biggest Shalom Bayit advisor in Hollywood is divorced three or four times. I'm not up to date. She's the, she's, no, she's the Gadol of Shalom Bayit. <laughs> That's how the book of Mishle, the book of the greatest advice that you can imagine in life is all in that Sefer. Sefer Mishle is a book that a person must learn if they want A, advice for themselves and Kloshiken, if they want to advise others. You got to know that book really well. So he starts off. Let's, let's, let's translate. Mishle, the word Mishle means the parables. Wise people, they speak in parables. You know why they speak in parables? How come a wise person doesn't give you the message straight? 
Just give me straight. No, I'm going to give you a mashal. And when you see the mashal, I'm going to... Then you have to go and figure out what I was trying to say. And then hopefully you'll land in the right place. What are you, what are you wasting my time? Just tell me straight. What do you want to say? You know how people sometimes they go this way. And that way. So get to the point already. They give you the whole introduction, the back and the forth. Eh? Just get to the point. They have no patience. Isaac, you know what I'm saying? Huh? They talk, 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 talk. Just get to the point. Why would a wise person not give me the message straight? Why would he give me a mashal? Give you a mashal? I'll give you a parable? And then you got to go figure out what I'm trying to tell you. What is that all about? So wise people speak in parables for a number of reasons. Some obvious, some not so obvious. First of all, a parable is a live example instead of raw information. When I give you raw information, I tell you a halakha. That you're supposed to do this. So it comes into my mind as intellect. It's, it's information that's in my brain. But when you see something visual, when you hear a story, so it, that information comes alive. When information is alive in my brain, it, I, it, it has more of an application. I actually am able to apply it better because it's not just the raw information. It's something that's real and I saw a picture of it. But that's one simple reason. When wise people talk to you, they don't want to just give you the raw information. They want to give you the information in such a way that it's alive. That's why, that's why learning from great people is much more important than the information that they're teaching you. You might go hear a great person or be in, a, in, in the surroundings of a great person. It's not so much what they say that's also important. But more than what they say is who they are. Because you learn a lot more from a live person than you do from information. I once heard a, a nice line that text people are much more powerful than textbooks. When you are able to learn from a person, that's so much better than learning from words. Because when it's something is alive, it's real, it's energy. Sometimes, sometimes a person will learn halachot in Shohan Aruch. He'll learn it well. He'll review it. He'll know it by heart. he can even take a test. Question, answers. But when it comes to a, a question that just happened, his wife will ask him, what do we do in a case like this? He blanks out. He learned the whole subject. But sometimes if you don't imagine it, in reality, it's hard to translate the raw information that you got tested on. You had a hundred on it. But you can't translate it into real life. 
That's why wise people talk in Mishalimu. When you give your son or your daughter advice, give them examples. Because if you just give them the bottom line, so they may walk out with the bottom line, but it doesn't translate into real life. So you give this example and that example and this example. And then they're able to apply and understand it at a higher level. That's one simple reason why wise people talk in parables. Another reason why they talk in parables, not such an obvious reason, is because when you give someone direct information, usually their ego puts up a wall. When I tell you something, that maybe you practice opposite of that something. So right away the ego wall goes up. Say, is this guy trying to tell me how to live my life? Does that mean he's smarter than me? Does that mean I've been wrong till now? Nobody wants to hear that. So when you give someone any kind of information, right away the ego wall goes up. If the ego wall goes up, there's nothing and no one to talk to. That's why comes the mashal. I told you once a beautiful story about the Magid Medubna. The Magid Medubna was a great rabbi in Europe. One of the things he was famous for, besides being a great rabbi, is that whenever somebody would ask him a question, instead of answering the question, he would give him a mashal. He was a very talented person in that way. He could think of a mashal on the spot on any subject. So instead of giving the answer, he would say, I give you, I'll give you a mashal. So one time somebody asked him, Rabbi, how come every time somebody asks you a question, you answer with a mashal? So he says, let me give you a mashal. He says one time, there was a myth. Mr. Emmet was walking down the street, going to the Bet Knesset, just being around and about. And every time somebody would see Emmet, people would see Emmet, they would run for the hills. Imagine walking down the busy street and people see you, and they're all running away from you. Hazid Emmet, what a, what a horrible life. Everywhere he goes, People are running, they're ducking away, they're... He's down, very depressed, comes back home. His friend, the Mashal, happened to be home at the time. He told him, what happened to you? He looked down. He said, what can I tell you? Everywhere I go, people are running away from me. No one wants to talk to me. I don't know what I did wrong. Mashal says to the Ahmed, let me tell you. I have a solution for you. You told people are scared of you. It's not they don't like you, you're scared of me. He says, let me go in front of you. When I walk in the front, people are not scared of me. They love stories. They love to hear Mishalim. They are very attracted to me. Everyone likes a good story. He says, I'll walk and you'll be right behind me. They won't see you. He says, when I walk, people will come closer. I'll start talking to them. And then right in the middle of the conversation, I'll slip out. 
and then you'll be right there. What a beautiful mashal that is to the power of a mashal. When you talk to someone direct, scary. Emet is scary because it exposes your sheker. It's a very scary thing to look at. That's why people are very hesitant to learn because learning could be very painful because you could be learning about the very things that you're doing wrong. If you're not learning, in your imagination, you're doing great. Now you go to learn, and they tell you, oh, you thought you're doing this right. Horrible, terrible decision you made. What you did last week, off the charts, terrible. Uh, the guy comes out, he's completely, he, he, he destroyed himself. Very odd to see the emet. So emet is scary. The power of a mashal is, Let's talk, let, let, let me tell you a story about Joe. Joe was involved in this real estate deal and then this happened. But the guys are listening. Why? Yeah, what, 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 what happened? What happened? And they love this story about Joe. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the story, before they know it, they realize Joe is them. But in the story, they were learning about this guy, Joe. And now he messed up. And now because he messed up, he ended up this. Then he ended up being that. And then he ended up being that. And you're all listening and excited. When the story is over, oh my goodness, I think that's me also. The difference is if you went straight at him, right away you put up a wall. But when you give him a story, you have his ears open, he's excited. And then when it's too late, he realizes, oh, that's me. And he's able to possibly be receptive. That's another reason why wise people talk in Mishalim. Because this way it's less scary. The not so obvious reason why we talk in Mishalim, that we wise people do, not so obvious reason. The first one is pretty obvious, yes? The second one may be less obvious. The third one, not so obvious at all, but it's a very big item. And, and as teachers, teachers to our children, grandchildren, friends, we must utilize or try to utilize this very important tool. And that is People generally don't learn that much from things that they hear. They learn a lot more from things that they themselves worked to understand. Which means, if I give you the best advice that I worked out, I worked it out. I worked out all the different things. Uh, Kinks, I come to you, Shohan Aruch. Yeah, this is the way to do it right. I did everything for you. I did all the research. I asked all the questions. I gave all the answers. I took care of all the different issues. Here it is. This is the right thing. Beautiful. What can be better than that? Shohan Aruch is the best thing in the world. He gives you the final halakha, lima'asit. 
sounds beautiful, but there's one thing missing, is that your mind didn't acquire it. It was given to you. And when something is given to you, it's just like when you're given something, you don't enjoy it as much. You don't get out of it as much as if you made it yourself. So too with knowledge. When you're handed knowledge, it has a small benefit. But when you acquired it, when you are the one that brought it home, then it becomes real in your being. So wise people, they don't give the answers when they're learning Gemarat. Wise people don't give the answers. They ask questions. And they allow the person, you give them enough information, slowly, to get them to figure it out themselves. Because then they acquire it. Then it's theirs. But if you come and you give them shu'ala ruh, then you're cheating them. You gave them the answer, but they didn't benefit from the answer. Because they didn't work on it. So it's a kind of wisdom that you're able to give someone something. You got to give him something because if you don't give him something, he has nothing to work with. You got to give him a little something and start to ask him. And then maybe you have to give a little more and maybe you have to guide a little bit there. And then in the end, they got, oh, I got it. Oh, beautiful. You got it. That's great. That's exactly how you're going to benefit from the information because you got it. So when you speak Mishalim, you give the guy the story. Go figure out what went wrong. Go figure out what to learn from this. So you're causing and forcing the guy to think for himself. That's why wise people, they talk in Mishalim. They want you to figure it out so it could benefit you. They'll sound smarter if they give you the end result. For them, it's better. They give you the end result. They say, wow, gorgeous, beautiful. When you ask questions and make it like you don't understand, it's a, it make it sound like you don't know so much. When you're a rabbi standing in front of 30 guys in a classroom and you say, guys, I don't get this question. What does this mean? I don't get it. You understand it? I don't get it. It's a humbling experience. Because here these guys think that you're the gadolador, and all of a sudden you're telling them, I don't get it. It would be so much greater. So, guys, let me explain it to you. Oh, it's obvious, it's simple. But you don't help them. The way you help them is you start with them. You don't get it, I don't get it. Let's figure this out. What do you have to say? What do you think? Oh, no, that can't be. Okay, let's think. Oh, you heard that? That could be maybe all, all of a sudden. Together, we came up with something. It's a little longer, but it's real. Mishlet, Shlomo Amelet, is a wise man. When he says the word Mishlet, he's not just telling you what my book is about. He's not just giving you the title of the book. He's giving you the tool of life. Of how to teach by saying the word Mishlet is more. We'll continue tomorrow. Have a good day.